When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Moms are allowed to feel, they're allowed to hurt. Things are allowed to be hard. And that permission, which I hadn't granted myself before, was really, really freeing. And then my job simply became, okay, cry all you want. Just show your kids the other side, that someday it's gonna be okay. Welcome to the Healing Her Podcast. This is your grief expert and friend, Ashley Lemieux. Welcome back, you guys, to another episode of the Healing Her podcast. We are still in our New York series, which has just been so fun. And this guest right now that I'm about to introduce you to, I've been following her online now for several years, actually. And so to meet her in person, I feel like I just hugged a friend. (laughs) And she's just so bright and cheery and resilient and so i'm so excited for the conversation that we're going to have today as she helps us answer the question of how do i find resilience during hard seasons of my life so without further delay let me introduce you to megan murphy who is known for her high energy which i can attest to in the very best ways upbeat personality Megan B. Murphy is a longtime magazine editor, an author, and an on-air TV personality as seen regularly on Live with Kelly and Ryan. And today, she's currently the editor-in-chief of Women's Day, following seven years as the executive editor of Good Housekeeping. Murphy penned Your Fully Charged Life, which Oprah Daily calls a book that'll make you feel good at the turn of every page. She's a cancer previvor, and I'm honored to have her on the show today. Megan, Yay! welcome. It's always weird when people read your bios. I'm like, Rah! I know. <laughs> and usually I actually don't read them ever, but I feel like you do so many cool things, and you're such a phenomenal human that I didn't want to leave anything out. Oh my so gosh. I always say, my, and I always like to add that my most important job is mom to three. Yes. And a, and a dog. And I got a dog. And you have a dog. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are. Yay. So thank you for being in this conversation today. And I think I just kind of want to jump right into it. Specifically starting with what does being a previvor mean? So a breast cancer previvor in the breast cancer community is someone who's taken preventative measures to avoid a breast cancer diagnosis. My mom had breast cancer twice. I lost my father to pancreatic cancer. I had a breast cancer scare. I I had a biopsy. It was benign, but I had very, very dense breasts and I was constantly being monitored. It would be sonogram, then a breast MRI, so, you know, the biopsy. And ultimately my breast surgeon said to me, we really kind of need a complete picture of your breast health. Like how diligent do we have to be with these screenings? We know your mom had breast cancer twice. Every woman on my mom's side of the family had battled or is currently battling breast cancer. So the risk was pretty real. 
And we did the genetic testing. And after that, I realized I had a CHECK2 mutation. So I think a lot of people know about BRCA1 and BRCA2, but a CHECK2 mutation similarly, similarly, (laughs) that's a hard word, puts you at a higher risk of developing breast cancer. My husband and I sat down with a genetic counselor. And when we looked at all the, the factors together, my dense breasts, my history of scares, my mother's breast cancer, it put me at a very, very high risk. And we really, my, my husband's mom also had breast cancer and my husband's dad, we lost him at age 50 to kidney cancer. So my husband and I kind of looked at each other and he's like, if we can do something about this, we're going to do something about this. And I made the decision very quickly to have a preventative double mastectomy, mastectomy with reconstruction. And it's a year ago last month. And I feel really, really grateful and empowered to have been able to make that decision before my body made the decision for me. Going into a double mastectomy, otherwise healthy and strong, is quite an advantage. It's a really tough surgery. It's a heck of a lot tougher when you're also wondering, did they get it all? And now I got to deal with radiation. I got to deal with chemo. So I feel beyond lucky and grateful to be able to call myself a previvor and to have been able to take that preventative action. That's a really big decision to make also, Mm -hmm. as I'm sitting here listening to you explain that to me. I'm an editor, so I think I'm like a professional decision maker. Mm. I make decisions very quickly and very easily. I'm very, very in tune with my gut. And if I do a quick gut check, and there just was, I also have a really supportive spouse who just kind of looked at me and, la- and said, you know, we've got three kids. We have really seen the ugly, ugly, ugly darkness of cancer. And, you know, if we can do something about this before we have to battle that, let's do that. Was there any grief that came with that decision? It's a really, really tough decision. And I think it was really funny for me. So the first night I got home from the hospital after having this double mastectomy, I'm sitting in this hospital rental chair in my family room and my daughter sends me a picture from up in her bedroom and they're bugs. There are bugs in her hair. She has lice. Oh my gosh. (laughs) She had put my hair up in a top knot with her brush because I couldn't use my arms and couldn't shower for two weeks. So Suddenly, I am itchy because I also have lice. No. My two sons had lice, and my mom, who was staying with us, had lice. The only person who didn't have lice was my gorgeous bald husband. And it was in that moment that I learned to laugh at the situation and realize, like, I thought I was taking charge. I thought I was in control, right? I'm getting this double mastectomy because I'm in charge of my health, and I'm going to make sure that... You know, I don't have breast cancer. Well, guess what? We are never in charge, never, ever actually in charge. The only thing I can control is my reaction. And if I can laugh at this lice, I'm going to get through this hard thing more easily. And that is one of the resilience lessons I talk about ad nauseum is we don't lose our funny bone in tough situations. And if we can learn to laugh, even, even, even when things are really, 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 really hard and and humor might not even seem appropriate, we're going to be okay. We're going to get out the other side. And hours later, I was like gluten bombed and was like throwing my guts up 
with four drains hanging off my body because I'm celiac and someone oh brought me a muffin gosh. that was vegan, not gluten free. So again, like projectile vomiting with four drains and can't even lift my arm to scratch my lacy head. I mean, it was surreal, but there were so many beautiful lessons in the entire journey, right? Because recovering from a double mastectomy is hard. I had to relearn my body. I couldn't move, I couldn't exercise. Movement is my medicine. Like the community of the gym and, and movement is absolutely my medicine. And not being able to take that medicine for a solid eight weeks was really, 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 really hard. But the journey was incredible. And I discovered so much about myself and changed in so many beautiful, positive ways that I'm absolutely grateful and grounded in gratitude for all of the lessons and opportunities there were within that surgery. There's a couple of things that you said that I want to make sure that we don't skip over because okay. they are so profound actually also you're and so pretty i like there's like because so I, nice. I don't know if anyone could see but i get to like stare very close hard. we've only been like virtual friends yeah so you're so pretty oh, your eyes are you. so sparkly you're so sweet oh no thank i just so like much. i'm just i have no filter <laughs> and i was noticing that how pretty you were and how sparkly your eyes you're were so, so i said nice. it out loud thank you they feel bloodshot right now oh. because i didn't sleep very well i'm last sure night, but oh because i'm God. so Being excited to be well but I'm also so excited to be in New York. I was just like, I can't wait for tomorrow. Yay. But there were two things that you just said that I want to talk about. The first one is finding humor in it. And I specifically want to talk about humor and grief just really quickly because I love bringing up my therapist because I've been going to her for seven years and she's helped me through some of the hardest times of my life. But I will sometimes leave my appointment with her and she will give me an assignment to go home and watch a specific comedy special because she will say what your body needs right now is oxytocin. You need to laugh. Sometimes we need to laugh so we don't cry and sometimes we need to cry. But laughter and humor and grief can be so healing. And I love that you brought that up because I think it's one of those things that we don't talk about a lot because when we're sad or something hard happens, it might feel like we're doing something opposite, like we shouldn't be laughing or we shouldn't be yeah. finding humor in it, but it actually can be so healing. But the second thing that you also said was your body was different. And specifically during that time, you couldn't have your medicine of activity and probably the community too also that you have found when you go and you go to your classes and you go and work out. How did you deal with that? Because I went through something similar when I went through sepsis and I couldn't move my body for months. And I felt foreign in my body. I felt kind of trapped in my body. It felt really scary to me to feel like I wasn't in control for a while of things that I wanted to be doing but had limitations on. And so some of my steps to get back to that, I had to start really small, but I'm really curious on what you did to start feeling in your body again and get you through that time where you couldn't operate on the level that you were used to operating at. So I did a lot of research on resilience and I do mm -hmm. write about it in your fully charged life 
I love the work of Dr. Southwick and Dr. Charney. I don't know if you know those, they're like sort of the leading researchers on resilience. Um, and they have a prescription, like an RX for resilience. Um, and I needed to lean into many of those strategies. The humor was a big piece of it. It helped me feel more in control of the situation, which helped me on all levels. I can remember leaving the hospital and my breast surgeon said to me, okay, Megan, you're a T-Rex. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? He's like, you're a T-Rex. You're gonna keep your elbows locked at your side and you can move your hands, but no lifting, no raising your arms. Oh my gosh. Make like a T-Rex. And I thought he was out of his mind. But then I laughed at him and I embraced the humor in this situation. I got myself a cashmere T-Rex sweatshirt. I got T-Rex flip-flops. I made T-Rex cookies. And that, when I wasn't able to go to the gym and I wasn't able to take that medicine or see my community or see my friends in that way, I really, really relied on other strategies. And a big piece of it was humor. I had this mascot. I was a T-Rex. And when I could finally start to even leave the house a little bit and get some fresh air and start my walks, I did these T-Rex walks down the street. And my hair, mind you, was um, braided really tight and then covered in olive oil with a shower cap oh, to yeah, try to kill the lice. lice. Also, and you I were couldn't a shower. Lice T-Rex. This yeah, is, so I was just a lacy T-Rex. This image is incredible in my mind it right was, now. It, it makes it me like, love you even more, honestly, which I didn't know was possible. My neighbors were like, uh, who, who are we? I have such beautiful are you community. Okay, they were friend? like, um, we're gonna cook you dinner tonight, okay? Like bringing <laughs> hot meals, do. like <laughs> something's going. Um, but it was like those types of things, right? So like. And that's sort of like my book is a toolkit. It's like a happiness and a resilience toolkit. And I need different tools at different times. And understanding that those tools are available to me is always the saving grace. At that moment, my house looked like a florist because I absolutely know that Harvard research and Rutgers, and Rutgers University research says time and time again, fresh cut flowers in your home actually improves your mood. It actually helps ease anxiety. It was a damn florist in my house during those toughest, toughest days. And that absolutely helped. It helped in the ways that I couldn't take the other medicine, right? Like I, I missed my community so much, but I had other medicine that I could take. And that was really the secret. Healing Her is sponsored by BetterHelp. One of my favorite things I've ever heard is when I walked by my husband's office and he was on a call with a bunch of VPs of an agency and he said, sorry guys, I have to run, I have a therapy appointment. I was so proud because we are huge advocates of therapy over here. It has helped us change our relationship with ourselves, the people around us, each other. And I don't just go during hard times in my life. I go in all seasons so that I can be equipped with the tools I need, set the boundaries that keep my peace and be empowered through the ups and the downs. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Something I love about it is that it's entirely online, so it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You'll just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com healingher today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, 
www.healingheart.com/healinghurt. When we go through these hard seasons of our lives and the things that we feel like are most important to us are taken away and we're out of control, it can feel like you are literally just out of control in yeah. your own life. But with resiliency and inviting these new tools back in, there are things under our control that we can do. You just named some of them. And what I'm wondering next, because in motherhood too, so many of us have things that are just outside of our control. And then we still need to show up for our families and our kids. And I, at least for me, a lot of guilt can come from that when I know that physically or emotionally for whatever time because something is going on that I'm not showing up as I wish I could for that moment. When you were going through all of that, how did you show up in motherhood? Because I just know that there are women listening to this who are like, I'm going through a really hard season, whether it's something physical, whether it's something emotional, whatever's going on. And being able to show up for people you love can feel tricky and overwhelming. So were there things that you did during that time to help you keep showing up for your family in the way that you were able to do that? So I think the best way to show up for your family is to first show up for yourself. Mm. I mean, that, oh, I love that. that is really, really important, right? And the cool part was is that my kids surprised me and showed up for me, which might choke me up in ways that I never wow. imagined. Oh, that's going to choke me up. Mm, that's really special. Yeah. My youngest son, oh, this is choking me up because they your kids can surprise you. My kids are 13, 11, and 10, and I really was so scared to tell them and was so freaked out about how they were going to react because, I mean, they had lost their grandfather to cancer. They, I, they, they thought I was lying at first. Mm. They're like, Mom, just tell us the truth. You really have cancer. Are you going to die? And that was very, very hard and very, very scary because they didn't really know. Um, but they showed up for me in such beautiful ways. My youngest son, I had this hospital chair. We had this beautiful ritual. We started watching Wheel of Fortune together every night. And we called ourselves wheel watchers. And he would <laughs> squeeze so in. Cute. And I'd like kind of move the drains. And he would snuggle in tight with me to the point where we actually made an audition tape. And Stop. like almost we made it to the finals of then getting to be what? on yeah, on Wheel of Fortune. How did you not get selected for oh Wheel my of Fortune? Gosh. I actually am upset with the show right now. Right. Well, so it was funny. So my 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 Brooksy was on the, he went through the audition rounds with me and was sort of like in the background. And he's like, mom, you didn't get it. That lady didn't like you. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I think you're right. Like it was the the final round, like you, you compete against other people like virtually. And it was oh. like very stressful. And the other two people were very, very buttoned up. And I was a little silly and it just didn't jive. And I, I could tell I wasn't going to get it, but it was the most beautiful bonding experience really for sweet. me and my, like my little wheel watcher mm. now we both are mad at wheel of fortune because we didn't you know i, I mean picked. i'm also mad too but so. it, that but that was really beautiful and my daughter and i like we i never sat down and watched tv before we like binged watched emily in paris which may or may not be appropriate for a then 12 year old but like we we watched tv together and like they, they just showed up for me and i showed up for myself and i think a really beautiful thing to, 
to remind yourself as a mom when you're going hard through hard things is that you're showing your kids what resilience looks like. You're showing them what it means to come out the other side. Yeah, mom does hard things. And guess what? It might be really, really tough in the moment, but mom does hard things. I think that a lot of times a story that we can tell ourselves, or at least I tell myself, especially as women, is that if we feel like we're not living up to our 100% capacity that day, or if the schedule's needing to be changed, or we just aren't doing things as we normally would or could be doing, for me, there's guilt that comes from that and there's shame that I put on myself and then I just start feeling bad and the story I tell myself is I'm not good enough. I think that's a story that a lot of women tell ourselves we're not good enough at this job or just for these people who are in my life. But what I just heard from you say is that we don't have to do things the same exact way to still have this beautiful bond and time together. And just because something has to change because of your capacity doesn't mean that it's going to be a bad experience for your children. In fact, it can be incredibly bonding. And they loved having me home in a chair. They're like, you haven't sat down this long in ever. Yes. (laughs) So I think a lot of times we create our own story of I'm not doing well for my kids because I'm not doing X, Y, Z. And the kids are like, pour me cereal again for dinner tonight. I love cereal. Oh, we get pizza out for dinner again tonight. This is great. And so I love that you brought that up. I think that resiliency is so important to teach our kids. And like you said, we have to be the models for it. And I think the key too is is, is to remember, like I, I can remember when my kids were little and my dad was dying and someone said to me, it's okay to let them see you cry. Yeah. It's okay to let them, like, they just need to see you cry and then bounce back. There has to be an alternative to the tears, but you're allowed to have the tears. Moms are allowed to feel, they're allowed to hurt. Things are allowed to be hard. And that permission, which I hadn't granted myself before, was really, really freeing. And then my job simply became, okay, cry all you want. Just show your kids the other side that someday it's going to be okay. What research has taught us and and what we know about grief and kids is exactly what you're saying. They need to see their parent process through their emotions because it does a couple things. One, it creates this really safe space where they know that their emotions are allowed to be processed, where they don't have to act like they're just happy and okay all the time. But, oh, I see mom crying. She's upset. I must be safe to feel that way too. Oh, now I see her doing X, Y, Z to work through this. Okay, I'm not going to feel this way forever either. And there's things I can do. We also know, you know, as parents, we want to protect our kids from pain. We just do. We don't want them to hurt. And what I've learned is that's actually not my job. I can't protect them from pain. What my job is, is to help them walk through it. And one of the greatest ways we can do that is by modeling to them what we do when we feel our own pain and show them how we walk through it also. It's so important for kids when they ask us if something is wrong because they can see that we're upset or overwhelmed 
that we tell them on a level that they can understand developmentally how we're feeling because this then teaches them that if they recognize sadness in mommy, oh, she's sad, and we acknowledge that we are, oh, I can trust my intuition and how I feel about feelings because I picked up on the fact that mommy's sad and I asked her and she said, yes. But a lot of times we wanna protect our kids, again, from pain, and so we'll say, no, I'm okay. I'm fine, I'm, I'm not upset. But then it raises a question in them of, oh, did I misread that emotion? Can I not trust myself? So a huge way to help build emotional confidence and resilience in children is to actually allow them to see us in our emotions. And that's what you have done on your journey also, which is so beautiful and is such a strong, real life, tangible example of what that can look like. Like the Wheel of Fortune watching together, I just, it's so special. And as hard as that season was, it was this special time where that probably also won't happen again in the future. Like that time where you're able to just be on the chair together watching Wheel of Fortune now is going to be a memory ingrained into both of you forever. What would you say during your journey, we'll just go back this past year, what would you say has been the biggest factor for you to keep finding resiliency in your life after that moment? I bring up this question because I think that we can get tired sometimes where we think to ourselves, okay, well, I was just resilient the past couple of years. I mean, you did this after a pandemic, right? Like a lot of us are trying to figure out life again post pandemic. It just looks different than it used to be. I, I think people can get overwhelmed and tired and we ask ourselves, well, how long do I have to be resilient for? So what have you done to help continue to foster that resiliency so that you can keep moving forward? So I have a very onward mentality, but I think really small. I don't really think big because I find that exhausting, daunting, overwhelming. I try very much to stay in my day and to be present, to be grounded in gratitude, and then to take micro actions, positive micro actions every day with the goal of moving onward. But I don't have this big, giant, sweeping mandate for myself because that feels really daunting and overwhelming. And that's when I get stuck. When I think too big, too far ahead, I lose myself. So for me, on a daily basis, it's very much about being where I am, staying in my day. My kids will say to me all the time, I know, mom, I'm staying in the day. I'm going to stay in my <laughs> That's day. That's so cute. Um, but it's very much, I think, being present and being grounded in gratitude in the very moment you're in is super, super helpful to me. Are there tangible ways that you do that every yeah. day? What are some of those? I would um, personally love to hear them for myself. So, so some of the tools in my fully charged toolkit are very, very simple. I always start my day with a small sense of accomplishment. That means I make my bed, I straighten up my room, the dishes are never in the sink. Like I know that 
that my day could be swirling chaos and completely out of my control and get derailed six ways to Sunday. But if I start my day with that small sense of accomplishment, the A in the PERMA theory of wellness, right? We know that we need to have some sense of accomplishment during the day. If I start the day that way, I know I'm going to be okay. I know that I need movement. Everyday movement is non-negotiable. I really harness what I like to call the power of awe. I notice things. I notice the details. I walked here and I felt the sun on my face. You know, I smelled all the weed in the air, like what has happened in New York. <laughs> yeah. But like I'm very, very much noticing and registering the world around me. I think that is a really important way to stay present. And I really, really lean into the power of connection, specifically with weak ties. I think we all know that our relationships matter and our families matter and our spouses matter and our kids matter. But I spend a lot of attention on so-called weak ties which are cashiers, baristas, the UPS person, you know, those small micro actions that we have on a daily basis. If we're smiling, if our phone's in our pocket and we make eye contact and we register someone else's humanity in the moment, all of those are just little jolts, little lightning bolts of current that absolutely fuel me and ground me and keep me accountable to humanity and help me realize that like, this is much bigger than me, right? I'm not that important. It's all so much bigger than me, and I just need to do my part to be a good human on a daily basis. I think this is the image I'm going to take from this whole episode with you because you just brought up the power of awe, which I haven't heard before, and I love that. I'm just going to tuck that in my soul to keep. It's anything but that makes you go, oh. Yeah, and it could be so little. Like, yeah. The Foam birds, on a latte, the, right? Like, yeah. how the hell did they make that heart? That's unbelievable, <laughs> right? Like the daffodils blooming on the mm -hmm. end of my walk. They're also, I also like to say, like, what made you say yay today? That's one of the ways I practice gratitude, pausing to appreciate the things in life that are awesome and awe-inspiring, yes. right? The power of awe. The power of like, awe. find one thing every day that makes you go, ah. Oh. Well, and you just related it also to this little lightning bolt of this moment, so this is the image that's going to be in my brain forever that I just thank you for. You literally are wearing lightning bolt earrings right now. And I'm like, okay, Megan is the personification of this little flash of lightning in the best way possible where you just have these moments where you're able to impact others, lean into the power of awe and recognize everyone's humanity so that we can be connected and and I will tell you about these earrings. So I also am really I'm like a science geek. There's 45 pages of citations in my book. I'm really into the science of enclosed cognition, which I call dopamine dressing, mm -hmm. and I dress up to feel up. So it's Monday, and maybe I was dragging. There's it's no accident that I'm wearing electrically charged lightning bolt earrings, right? It's enclosed cognition. This tells me that I I want to be electric today. I want to be fully charged. And so I'm wearing something that makes me feel exactly that. Dopamine dressing. Yeah. Dress up to feel up. You're you're full of 
these nuggets. I'm like, all right, yep. Megan, what else you got for Well, us? I wrote about it for Oprah. And then it's like, it's actually become part of the vernacular now. And I'm like, oh, I wrote that in, because it's in my book and I wrote about it in Oprah, but then it became kind of a thing, this concept of dopamine dressing. Because when I was thinking of enclosed, the science is enclosed cognition. Uh-huh. You know, how your clothes yes. impact your Affect mood. You. But that's like, boring language i'm like it's dopamine dressing and now we're going to come up with this thing called dopamine decor think about how your your furniture affects mm-hmm. how you feel but the science is really beautiful and it i was a theater major and an actress and it's the same thing it's like think about it like every day you have this choice of of putting on a costume and when was i if i was on stage playing a nurse i wasn't wearing a fireman's outfit right so like mm. they always say dress for the job you want not the job you have dress for the life you want just for the mood you want, just for the day you want to have. Today, I'm going to have a fully charged electrical day. My earrings make sure of it. And so you have your lightning bolt earrings on. Dopamine dressing. Okay, I'm putting that in my pocket okay. for, for future use too. That's that's so good. And of course, you're the one who came up with, with that I mean, concept. I don't usually take credit for much, but I'm like, I wrote that. No, we're we're giving you credit where credit is due. That's pretty legit. Oh my gosh, this conversation is so good. You are full of so much wisdom. I've just been a service journalist for 30 years, so my husband calls me like a walking magazine. Mm. I just there's like so many little service. I'm a service journalist, so my brain is just full of tips. They're great. (laughs) People's brains can be full of tips, and you're like. Uh, maybe you should keep that to yourself. <laughs> Yours are full of tips that are impacting the world in just the most beautiful ways. So thank you for being here and for sharing them with us. It truly is such an honor to have this conversation with you. Before we go, I would love for you to talk to the woman right now who's listening, who is overwhelmed, who is just feeling like she is in this hard season of her life and she's not sure how to move forward. And if she was with us right now in this moment, what would you say to her? Do one thing. It's the Nike model. Just do it. Just do one little thing. There is absolutely a micro action you can take today that will create forward momentum because the only goal is to get unstuck, to inch onward. And it can be a half a step. It can be the tiniest little baby step, but you have to create momentum. One little action begets another, begets another, begets another, and before you know it, you are unstuck. But it takes one little move, one micro action. Think small, do little, but do something. That goes right alongside something that we often say and talk about here, which for me, healing is never one big moment. It's consistent, small movement forward and so i love that 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 is what you just touched on and it could be so one of murphy's laws is i buy myself flowers every monday non-negotiable it could be from trader joe's or it could be some a fancy florist but every monday i harness flower power the mood boosting magic of flowers flower and I power buy myself flowers right maybe that's your thing today mm. maybe you deserve to buy yourself flowers and maybe those fresh cut flowers on your desk in your kitchen in your world will ease a little bit of your anxiety cut a little bit of your stress this is not me telling you to buy yourself flowers this is science saying there's mood boosting benefits 
there is flower power and you can harness it. And maybe that's your micro action today. Maybe you just make your bed. Maybe you dress up to feel up. Maybe you just wear funny pizza socks, right? Like something. Do something to create momentum today. Thank you for being here and for everything that you send out into the world. I'm going to link Megan's book, Your Fully Charged Life, in the show notes below and where you can go find her and her, her work because this conversation was just a small nugget of everything that she talks about and teaches. And again, Megan, thank you so much for being here with us today. And to everyone who has joined us, thank you for being here. And until I see you again next week, take good care of yourself. I'm so honored you joined us for this episode of the Healing Her podcast, where healing isn't just a destination, it's an empowering, transformative adventure. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss brand new episodes each Tuesday. And if you're ready for more tangible tools, make sure you grab my best-selling book, I Am Here, wherever books are sold, or in the link in the show notes below. Take good care of yourself until I see you again next week.